Thanks for joining us online today. If you'd like to join the conversation, we would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We hope that you enjoy this message. Next Level, good to be with you this weekend. Welcome to all of our services at our Plantation Campus. Whether you're here on Sunday morning or Sunday night, thank you all you Saturday nighters for moving over to Sunday night. I hope that you are enjoying the service. And then Gateway, what's up to you at Gateway? Glad you're with us this weekend. Anybody watching online, glad that you're with us as well. As we conclude our Gifts, Gifts, and More Gifts series that we started before Christmas Eve. But speaking of Christmas Eve, come on, how about the Barbara B. Man on the 23rd and 24th? Absolutely incredible. We saw thousands upon thousands of people come and celebrate Christmas Eve with us at the Barbary Man, and we saw hand upon hand upon hand of your friends and your family saying yes to a relationship with Christ. For all of you who served, who sacrificed, who led at the Barbary Man, whether it was in hospitality or kids' ministry, worship, production, whatever it is that you did set up, tear down, let me just be the first to say thank you. Thank you for creating a place that people loved on Christmas Eve so they could experience a loving God. Come on one more time for all that God did at the Barbary Man on Christmas Eve. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. But we are coming to the end of 2015. This is the last weekend of the year. And we're going to conclude a series that we started before Christmas Eve called Gifts, Gifts, and More Gifts. And Pastor Matt opened that series uh, and he spoke the first three weeks. And we talked about the gifts that no one wants, that when these gifts come into our lives that we don't want, what do we what do, we want, what do we want to do with them? And we had so many people talk about how that affected and changed their life. We talked about in week two the gift that we all want, which is peace during this season. Incredible message. And then before Christmas Eve, we talked about surprise gifts. And we talked about the gift of Jesus being born and us having the opportunity to have a Savior. An incredible message that was as well. But we're going to conclude this series this week. And we're going to talk about this idea of returned gifts. What do we do with the gifts that we get on Christmas or the gifts that we get throughout the year that we want to return. Come on, show of hands in all of our services out at Gateway as well. Did you get a gift this Christmas on Christmas Day that you smiled, you hugged, you high-fived, you acted like you liked, but inside the whole time you're going, I can't wait to return that. Come on, show of hands in all of our services. Come on, you know you got one. You know you got a gift that you want to return. Great, great. Here's the, here's the, here's the next show of hands. If the person that gave you that gift is either sitting by you or in the same row. Throw your hand up again. Good. There you go. Right there. And you can put them down quickly. Now you can actually try to figure out who gave who the gift that that nobody wanted. But we all get gifts at Christmas that we want to return, don't we? I mean, the busiest day of the year at Target has to be December 26th. If you've ever been, it's packed because we get these gifts, but then we're so quick to return the gifts that we don't want. And this weekend in all of our services, we're going to talk about this idea of returned gifts. Because we're so quick to return 
gifts that we don't want. So let me ask you a question this weekend in whatever service you're attending. What's the gift that you got this Christmas that maybe you want to return? What's the gift that maybe you got in 2015 that you want to return before this year is over with? See, I believe that we get to this part of our year and we look back at the past 12 months of our lives and the truth is we look at the goals we set, the relationships that we have, we look at our marriage, our kids, our finances, our businesses maybe, business leaders, and we have a gift that we've unwrapped. And that gift can be regret. That we get to the end of a year and we look back at all that we wanted to accomplish, all that we needed to accomplish. We look back at the relationships we had or don't have anymore. We look at where our marriage is at at the end of the year. We look at the financial goals that we set, the business plans and goals that we set, and we look on at this time of the year. And as we reflect, a lot of us have unwrapped a gift this Christmas season or at the end of this year, and that gift is regret. And we all have it, don't we? We've all felt at some point that some of us are even feeling it right now that this gift of regret has entered our life and something did or did not happen the way we wanted or we did or didn't do something the way we wished we would have and we want more than anything to be able to rewind the tape and get a do-over. We've replayed scenarios over and over in our head thinking of all the things we could have done or could have said but we're trapped in this shoulda, coulda, would've mindset and perspective and it's a miserable place to be, isn't it? That as we get to the end of the year and we're so excited about moving into the new year, some of us have this gift of regret and it's a miserable place to be. But see, here's what we need to know about regret. Regret is this idea that, that when you're experiencing regret, you are evaluating a situation that happened in the past with the awareness that you have in the present. What's regret? Regret is you are experiencing because you are evaluating a situation that happened in the past with the awareness that you now have in the present. Let me break that down for us for a second. Something happens in your life. You react. You make a choice. You take an action. Then time passes and you think about what happened. You analyze it. You obsess over it. You talk about it with your friends and your family. You continue to gather more and more information and more and more knowledge about the situation that happened, then you take all of that awareness and information that you have now and you beat yourself up over it because you didn't know it then. And it's unfair and unreasonable to take what you know now and use it to beat yourself up for what you didn't know then. And that's what regret does. Regret is this thing that we look on now at the end of the year and we look at decisions we made, we look at things we said, we look at things we didn't say, and we have this regret in our life because over time and over this year, we've gathered information, we've thought about it, we've analyzed it, we've processed it with other people. And now with the knowledge we have, we have this regret in our life because what we know now, we didn't know then. And I was thinking about the Christmas story as we end this series and we end the Christmas season. And at this past week at the Barbary Man, we talked about Jesus and we talked about how he was born and, and it was a wonderful story and it's the story we all celebrate. But the truth is there are probably some people in that story that have a little bit of regret. I mean, in the greatest story ever told, there are some people that probably have 
some regret. Think about Mary who was come upon with an angel and said, you're going to be pregnant with a child. And she looked back at the angel and said, how could this be? She basically argued with the angel when the angel said, no, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you're going to be pregnant, which is eventually going to be the son of God. She kind of argued with the angel. I wonder if Mary had any regret over that. How about my man Joseph, the husband who almost moved away from Mary when he found out this decision, but then actually came to his senses and they traveled to Bethlehem. And my man put his nine-month pregnant wife on a donkey for 80 miles, going a half mile an hour. That's like going down Daniels in season from here all the way down to Marco Island at a half mile an hour on a donkey. Like, come on, Joseph, my man. And then he put her in a barn to have the son of God. Joseph, any regret, big man? I bet, I bet that he did. How about the innkeeper? Who, when Mary and Joseph knocked on his inn and needed a place to stay, and he said, you know what, we're too full at the inn, so he put him in a barn, and later he was to find out that the Son of God was born in a manger. I wonder if the innkeeper had any regret. I wonder if he would have made some room, if he would have known the situation that was going on. How about King Herod, who sent some magi to see this Jesus that was born, to see if he was really the Son of God, to see what people were saying about him. And as the magi got there and realized that this is the Son of God, and they bowed down and worshipped, and they went back a different route back home so they wouldn't report to King Herod. So King Herod made a decision to kill all firstborn baby boys. I wonder if King Herod, at the end of his life, had some regret. See, even in the greatest story ever told, the characters in that can have regret. And for all of us today in the world we live in, there's no way that we can get to this point of our year and not look back on the past year or the past season of our life and not have experienced some regret in our lives. But if it's true that regret comes as this gift to us and we unwrap it and we so quickly want to return it, what do we do with regret that's found in our lives? Because what I want to challenge us with this weekend is this idea that maybe we're not supposed to return regret so quickly. Maybe the gift that we unwrapped at the end of this year is regret and we're so quick to want to return it and just move on to our next year and move on to the future and move on to everything that we have in our heart. But what if I was to tell you this weekend that maybe regret's one of these things that we're not supposed to return so quickly? See, I believe that the question we have to ask today is when it comes to regret, is regret something that God actually wants to use in my life to propel me to my future? See, I think regret is the number one thing, if not one of the number one things that God uses to draw us closer to Him and who He wants us to be. But when it comes to us personally, when regret enters our life, we're so quick to sweep it under a rug. We're so quick to want to return it to maybe who gave it to us so that we can move on to our future. But but I believe the question we have to ask this weekend is, are we supposed to return regret so quickly. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul says, wrote this letter to the Corinthians, and this is him responding after the Corinthians had turned their back on Paul, kind of turned their back on what the church was supposed to be. So Paul, after writing them a letter and the Corinthians turning back around and repenting and saying that they regretted some different things they did in their life, this is Paul now rewriting them a letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 Nine, verse, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 through 13. And this is in the message version. And Paul says this. He says, Now I'm glad, not that you were upset, but that you were jarred into turning things around. You let the distress bring you to God. You let the problems, you let the things that, ha- that you had regret in your life turn you and bring you to God, not drive you from Him. 
the result was all gain and no loss. He goes on in verse 10, he says, distress that drives us to God does that. It turns us around. It gets us back in the way of salvation. It gets us back in line with Jesus and who God wants us to be. We never regret that kind of pain. But those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets. There's our word regret again. And end up on a deathbed of regrets. But those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets. End up on a deathbed of regrets. Okay, what Paul is saying here is that when distress comes on our life, when problem comes into our life, when regret enters our world and our life, either we can do one of two things. We can either push it to the side and keep moving forward in our life, or we can turn it to God and go, God, I don't know what this regret and this distress is for, but I want you to deal with it. That regret is this thing that can either pull us further away from God or it can bring us closer to God. And Paul's going, listen, when you have that type of pain, let it pull you closer to God so that you don't end up on a deathbed of regrets. And look at the results as he continues on about a life not so quick to return the gift of regret. In verse 11, he says this, and now, isn't it wonderful all the ways in which this distress has goaded you closer to God, brought you closer to God? You're more alive. You're more concerned. You're more sensitive You're more reverent, you're more human, you're more passionate, more responsible. Verse 13, looked at from any angle, you've come out of this with purity of heart. Okay, Paul, my man, regret has entered my life. Trouble has entered my life, and now there's regret in my life. And Paul, you're telling me that that regret is one of the number one things that can get me closer To God, Paul, you're telling me that the situations that I'm in right now, the decisions I've made, the things I've said, the things I didn't say that's brought regret into my life at this part of the year, you're telling me it's a good thing, Paul? You're telling me that this is going to get me closer to God? Because, Paul, I don't feel closer to God. Kyle, I don't feel closer to God with the regret that I have in my life. I actually feel further away. And if that's how you feel this weekend, I believe there's some unhealthy things that you've done with your regrets, and specifically three things if you want to grab your bulletin and pull out a slip of paper, that if you feel like you're further from God with the regrets that you have in your life, there are some unhealthy things that you're thinking through when it comes to regrets. The first one is this. The first one is that we rationalize them. We rationalize our regrets. We act like they're not that big of a deal. Can I ask you a question this weekend? If they're not that big of a deal, why are you still remembering them? Why are you still talking about them? Why are you still laying awake in your bed at night if they're not that big of a deal? Ever done that? Ever said something like, well, I I mean, it's not that big a deal. I'm probably just over, probably just overreacting. And here's the question for you I'd have for you this weekend is, what happened this past year that you keep saying? It's not that big a deal. I'm probably just overreacting because regret undealt with starts out as not a big deal, but over time becomes a very big deal. Are you rationalizing your regrets? The second unhealthy thing that we do with our regrets is we blame others. 
We blame others. It's easy to get caught up in pointing the finger, isn't it? Maybe you did that this Christmas season with family or friends that came around and things happened and things from the past came up and you just started pointing fingers. This goes all the way back to the beginning of time with Adam and Eve in the garden that the first two people ever on earth that Adam did something that Eve convinced him to do and then when God came down, Adam just started pointing the finger and they started pointing the finger at each other and sin entered our world. And when it comes to our regrets in our life, we're so quick to want to blame others. But here's the question I have for you this weekend is where are you regretting something from this past year? And instead of dealing with it, you've just decided to blame and vent about someone else instead. See, we're so quick to rationalize our regrets. And then when we rationalize them, but they keep coming up, the next natural thing to do is just point the finger at someone else. But what happened this past year that you keep saying is not a big deal, but every time it comes up, you point the finger at someone else. You vent about someone else instead of dealing with regret. And the third thing that we do that's unhealthy when it comes to our regrets is that we beat ourselves up. We beat ourselves up. We lie awake at night and we toss and we turn. We wake up every morning telling ourselves and convincing ourselves that it's our entire fault. Some of us didn't enjoy this Christmas season at all because we're beating ourselves up over something we could not control. That we start by rationalizing them. We start by saying it's not a big deal. Then we actually start blaming others and venting about others, thinking that that's how we're going to deal with regret, thinking that's how we're going to be able to return this gift of regret that's entered our life. But then we actually get to a place where we start beating ourselves up over it. Whether it was our fault or not our fault, we lie awake at night, we lie awake in the morning, and we beat ourselves up over the regret that's in our life. And we can't figure out why we can't move forward into everything that God has for us. It was in 2006 when I was out of college and I was, had my first job at a university in Cleveland, Tennessee, that I was finishing up a, a day at work and I went home to my one-bedroom townhouse in Cleveland, Tennessee, right by a railroad track that uh, always came through late at night and early in the morning. So I regret uh, living there during that season because I didn't get any sleep during that season. But I went home one night and I pulled up my Dell computer, my Dell computer, not a laptop, but my Dell, I don't even know what you call them, uh, a desk computer, box computer. And I, I, pull, I was sitting down at that to, to check out my MySpace page. And um, some of you know what MySpace is if you're 27 or older. If you're 27 and younger, don't worry about it. It's like the, it was the hipper Facebook before Facebook came around. Some of you still have MySpace, and I would encourage you to come receive prayer this weekend at whatever <laughs> campus you're at because you really need to move forward because you're probably experiencing a lot of regret from your MySpace page. There are people still in your top eight that should not be in your top eight, and you're still not in people's top eight that you can't figure out why you're not in their top eight. That's because they don't have MySpace anymore. Just, just a hint for you this weekend. But I was on my MySpace page, had a cool song playing in the background, probably a little R&B. And I, uh, I was looking at my top eight, moving some people around based on what happened that previous week. And, and I had an inbox message. And in that inbox message was a, a, a lengthy letter from a young girl named Jessica Daniel. And it took me a second because I didn't know who Jessica was. She was a girl that attended my high school that was a couple years younger than me. But she wrote me a letter. And at the end of 2006... I went into one of these seasons of having regret. And I dealt with it by doing some of these unhealthy things at first. But after reading you this letter, I want to show you how to deal with regret in a healthy way because it can actually propel you into your future. This was the letter from Jessica Daniel at the end of 2006. It says, hey, Kyle, this is Jessica Daniel. 
I know it's been like six years since I've even seen you, but there's something I've wanted to tell you for a long time. And of course, you'll think that I'm crazy. She didn't use the word crazy, but we're in a church. Um, but she said something else, but she said, you're going to think I'm crazy for even bringing it up. But I really hope you're treating people a lot better than you treated my sister, Candace. I know that what you did back in high school, you see to be absolutely harmless, but I want you to know that some of the things you did to her and said to her instilled some fear into her. Yeah, who would have thought you could have had that kind of effect on someone, right? Well, you did. And not just her, there were a lot of people that felt that way about you in high school. Somewhere in your mind, you thought you were being funny and I just want you to know that there are people out there that have horrible lives because of things they could not control and you contributed to hers in a major way. Candace begged to move her 10th grade year. It's too bad we're just finding out and figuring out why. Well, that's it. Just to let you think about the way you affected some people and in hopes that you're still not doing it, I had to get that off of my chest. And I read that. And regret entered my life immediately. And the first thing I did with that is I did the three unhealthy things there where I rationalized. I was like, you know what? It's not that big a deal. This girl's crazy. She called me crazy, but she's crazy. And I just started to rationalize that it wasn't that big a deal. I was just in high school. Like, who cares? This is five years ago. How dare she write me a letter five years later telling me about her sister when she didn't even know what happened? I just started rationalizing, acting like it wasn't that big a deal. Then I started pointing the finger. I started pointing the finger at her going, well, she shouldn't have taken it that way. I started pointing the finger at two of my best friends. I'm like, well, they were way meaner to her than I was ever mean to Candace. And I started rationalizing it. And then I started pointing the finger. But then eventually, after a couple hours, I started to beat myself up over it. And I remember that night going to bed wondering if that's what everybody in high school thought about me. That I wondered if everybody really felt the way she said that people felt about me. That I started to regret and started to beat myself up over what happened. And I remember in that moment going through a process of what I would say are the four healthy ways to experience and deal with regret. If those are the unhealthy things, to rationalize it and act like it's not a big deal, to point the finger and to beat yourself up over it, I believe there are some healthy things that at the end of this year, in order to move into 2016, that we have to do with this gift of regret, that if we're not supposed to return it so quickly, that if we're supposed to hold on to it for a little while longer and let God do something in us so he can do something through us with the regret we have, then we have to process through this in a healthy Way. So in your bulletin, four healthy ways to deal with regret. The first one is simply this. It's to admit your regrets. Admit them. Take responsibility. Admit your regrets. Look what Proverbs 28, 13 says. It says, he who conceals his sins does not prosper. He who holds on to things and acts like they're not that big a deal, he who won't admit to his faults does not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them finds mercy. That when we have regret in our life, whether we did it or did not do it, we have to actually admit it, that we did something wrong, that we have regret in our life, that something happened to us, or we did something to someone else, or we didn't do something that we should have done. And in our life, we are experiencing the gift of regret. We have to admit our regrets. I remember after that letter, and I got that letter, and two days later, I called Candace. I figured out her number. I haven't talked to her in five years, and I called Candace, and I said, hey, this is Kyle Jackson, and she was silent on the phone, I said, hey, I got, a, I got a letter from your sister uh, on MySpace, and she told me quite a bit about your story and our story together. Candace and I went to school from seventh grade all the way through high school, never thought anything about it, because she was so quick to laugh and act like it wasn't a big deal. 
And I just apologized to her on the phone. I said, Candace, I am so sorry for how I treated you. I regret what I did to you. And I am so sorry that you're still dealing with that today. Would you ever forgive me? And Candace forgave me on that phone call and she cried and I cried a little bit. And, and I admitted that regret in my life. Some of us this weekend, you need to actually cross the line and admit that you have some regret in your life. Some of us need to make a phone call. Some of us need to not try to just sweep this under the rug or put it in the back of the closet or return it real quick because we don't want it at the end of 2015 in order to move into 2016. Some of us need to admit that we have some regret in our life and not be so quick to return it. Instead, deal with it and watch how God moves in your life. The second healthy way to deal with regret, number one, we have to admit it. Number two is we have to accept God's forgiveness. We have to accept God's Forgiveness, Psalm 32, 5 says, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. When you confess your transgressions, when you confess this regret that's in your life to the Lord, he will forgive the guilt of your sin. That's what regret is, that we sit around and we feel guilty for something that we know now about something that we did back Then, and we sit there and we feel guilty about the decision we made or did not make. We feel guilty about what we said or did not say. And we sit and we are stuck in the mud and we want to move into 2016 and hide and return this gift of regret. But the Lord says if you will confess it to him, he will forgive the guilt of your sin. Some of us need to accept God's forgiveness this week. And I literally remember God breaking my heart about not speaking positive things over other people's lives. It's not who I was. It's not how I was raised. But for a season, that's what I did. Somewhere in my mind, I thought it was funny, but I had no idea how I was impacting other people's lives. And God broke my heart. Once I admitted that regret, then God wants to forgive you. And when he forgives you, he will break your heart in that area, and you'll never be the same. Where do you need to accept God's forgiveness? from this past year so that you can move into 2016 ready to accomplish all that God has in store for you. God wants to forgive you. We serve a God that extends grace further than you could possibly imagine. If you're sitting in this service this weekend and you have this guilt of a sin in your life, if you have this guilt of regret in your life and you're sitting there going, I'm not sure God would ever forgive me, let me say to you so confidently this weekend, God wants to forgive you. He's already forgiven you. He's just waiting for you to ask for it so you can move forward in your life. The third thing that we have to do after we admit our regrets, we accept God's forgiveness. We have to forgive ourselves. We have to actually forgive ourselves. Look what Isaiah says in Isaiah 43, 18. He says, forget what happened long ago. Forget what happened long ago. Don't think about the past. Stop beating yourself up over what you know now about a decision that you made then. Stop beating yourself up up forgive yourself and this is the most important and often the most challenging part see i believe there's a lot of us here this weekend in one of our services and you've actually accepted god's forgiveness you said god forgive me of that sin forgive me of that regret forgive me of that decision and you've actually accepted god's forgiveness but the next step is that you actually forgive yourself see we all make mistakes remember that you're human And that you have to stop placing an expectation on yourself that you're supposed to get it right all the time. You're not going to get it right all 
the time. Remember this truth this week. And if you're someone who's brought regret into this place this week, and remember this truth, you did the best you could. You did the best you could. You did the best you could with what you knew at the time. Because I believe that this week, and I believe there's some of us this week and that you did the best you could. You made the best decision you could make. You said the best thing that you could say in the moment with the information and knowledge you had at the time. And now, after the course of six, seven, eight, nine, ten months, gathering more information, obsessing over and analyzing it, talking with friends, processing it, now you feel guilty and have regret over what you know now that you did not know then. And you're living in this guilt and this regretful season and you cannot move forward. You did the best you could with what you knew at the time. Seriously, I would encourage you to say this to yourself this weekend. I forgive myself for buying into the misunderstanding that I did something wrong. The truth is that I was doing the best I could. I forgive myself for buying into the misunderstanding that I did something wrong. The truth is is that I was doing the best I could. Some of you this weekend need to repeat that over and over and over again in your heart for the next week so that we can end 2015 and you can move into 2016 and accomplish everything that God has for you. Repeat that in your heart and forgive yourself. Breathe. Take it in. If you believe God's forgiven you, how can we not forgive ourselves if the Almighty God has forgiven you then we must forgive ourselves. I would say that if we can't forgive ourselves, we have a misunderstanding about God's grace in our lives. That if we truly understand His grace, then we can give ourselves our own grace and forgive ourselves. I was struggling with this whole idea of people thinking that's what I thought about them. I struggled with going back to my 10-year high school reunion because I didn't want to be the guy that that's what everybody thought about them. And I had to tell myself over and over again, Kyle, you were 17, you were 18 years old, it wasn't right, you've asked for forgiveness, and that is not who you are anymore. Listen, let me tell you, Next Level Church, listen to me. You do not have to suffer anymore from regret. You can stop beating yourself up. It's not serving you. Learn from it. Take action, forgive, and stop holding on to the past. Turn around. If this is the direction that you're walking right now with regret in your life, you have the next couple days before we enter 2016 to turn around legitimately, word picture-wise, in your head. Turn around and start moving into the direction that God has for your life. Stop beating yourself up over a decision that you made when you did the best you could. You have to forgive yourself. And then number four, as we conclude this weekend, number four on healthy things to do with regret, you have to be intentional about living for your future. You have to be intentional about living for your future. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Paul says this, he says, I am still not all that I should be, but I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Be intentional about living for your future. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up 
to heaven. From that moment forward with that whole Candace situation, I called her. I admitted my regret. I asked for God's forgiveness. I asked for her forgiveness. I forgave myself. And in that moment, I said, you know what? I'm going to be intentional about living for my future. And in that moment, that was literally a turning around moment for me where I said, you know what? I'm going to spend my life not saying negative things about people. I'm going to speak positive things over people's lives that God can actually take a regret in your life and he can turn it around for you if you'll ask for his forgiveness, forgive yourself, and he'll actually allow it and use it to propel you into your future. Some of us this weekend need to go, you know what? I'm going to be intentional about this regret in my life, and I'm going to use it to propel me into the future. Let regret propel you into the future. See, undealt with regret paralyzes and has power over us, but dealt with regret has purpose and gives power to us. Undealt with regret in your life will paralyze you and it will have power over you. But dealt with regret has purpose and gives power to you. Your best 2016 comes when you deal with the regret that's in your life and you figure out its purpose in your life and you take the power that God gives you through the Holy Spirit and you use it to propel yourself in to the future. So we have to admit our regret. We have to ask God for forgiveness. We have to forgive ourselves. And we have to use it for our future. As we close out 2015 and we close out this year, and what an incredible year it's been at our church. So many lives that were changed, so many salvations, so many baptisms, so many kids dedicated incredible Barber B. Man services where we saw thousands of people come and celebrate with us in one place. I hope you know this weekend you're a part of an incredible, incredible church. A church that believes in you. A church that wants what's best for you. A church that wants to use your gifts and your talents to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ all around Southwest Florida and all around our world. We believe in you. And that's why this weekend as we end this year we had to talk about the tough topic of regret. Because I believe that there are some of us that need this weekend to have permission to deal with regret. Some of us have been taught our whole life, just push it to the side, sweep it under the rug. Don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal. Just don't look back at the past. We've actually had somebody use that verse and use it against us in a negative way of going, nope, look, the Bible even says, don't look at your past. Don't look at your past. Just keep moving forward. I believe sometimes we have to look at the past in order to deal with it so that we can move into our future. Once we move into the future, then we don't have to look back at our past but we have to deal with the regret that lives today. And my prayer for you this weekend and all of our services as a pastor in your life is that you would deal with it, that you would end 2015 by not returning the regret gift so quickly, but instead hold on to it for a little bit, deal with it, and let God use it for his glory. Can I pray for you this weekend? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this series over the last four weeks, God. Thank you for what you've done in all of our lives. Thank you for what you did at the Barber B. Man for salvations that happened that night, for people's eternities who were forever changed. God, and this weekend, I take a moment and I pause as we end this year of 2015, and we're here in one of our services this weekend, and we have regret that's in our life. We've done something this past year. We said something this past year. We didn't do something this year. We didn't do something or say something this Christmas season that we wish we would have, and now we're living with regret. And God, some of us have been rationalizing it. 
Some of us have been pointing the finger. Some of us have been beating ourselves up over it. Some of us for a year. Some of us for 10 years. God, I pray that this weekend we would stop doing those unhealthy things and instead we would turn around and admit our regret. Ask for forgiveness. Receive your forgiveness. Forgive ourselves. God, right now in this moment I pause because some of us need to actually say, I forgive myself. If you're here this weekend and you have not forgiven yourself, I need you to say to yourself internally, I forgive myself. I forgive myself. I was doing the best I could with the information that I had. I forgive myself. And then God, that you would use it for purpose and power for your glory to propel us into our future. Jesus, thank you for this church. Thank you for everyone who attends, serves, and leads. God, that we could move into 2016 and accomplish everything you want us to individually, everything you want us to in our families and everything that you have for this church in this portion of Southwest Florida. We love you and thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone who agreed said, amen. Amen. If your life has been impacted through this ministry, we would love to hear your story. Send us an email to mystory@nextlevelchurch.com. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. Also, if you want to support what God is doing here, you can do so through our website, nextlevelchurch.com, and help us bring more messages just like this one every single week. Your generosity is making an impact here and around the world. Thanks for joining us, and have a great week.